0: And welcome back to the Bleacher Connection. This is our sixth episode, and uh, today we're gonna we're gonna spend some time talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. We're gonna change it up from uh, what we have been talking about, which has been a lot of hockey. Uh, off season is upon us for the NHL, so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at uh, another team that I think Trevor and I can honestly say is the only team we uh, both cheer for. Uh, we, we don't have too many teams in common. The Jays is, I think, the one and only. So we'll be talking about them today. And uh kind of a lo- look back on how their season went.
1: So uh, to begin with on this episode, as always, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do a that's off side. And as we're discussing the Blue Jays, we thought it would be only fitting that we uh, have a baseball themed that's off side for this episode. And I think Ken and I are in agreement that there's really only one major storyline that's played out this whole baseball season that has, everybody in an uproar, and, and unfortunately, it hasn't gone away. Um, as, and I'm sure many fans are very disappointed it hasn't gone away. And that's got to be the whole Houston Astros and Major League Baseball debacle. It's very disappointing, in my opinion, that the Houston Astros are still playing baseball. And you know what? I blame Major League Baseball for this. The punishments that were handed down were not severe enough. They None of the players faced any repercussions for it. And it, it, in spite of some of their averages going down throughout the season, which, you know, obviously makes us laugh. You know, the Jose Altuves and Correas and those guys, their stats took a significant dip this year. But in the end, and I guess some credit to them, they're back in the American League Championship Series for, I believe, it's the fourth season in a row. And... To me, they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't have even had the opportunity to make the playoffs because they should have faced penalties to players that made it impossible for them to get there. So baseball dropped the ball on this one. And the Astros, to everybody's disliking, except for maybe in Houston, are right back where they always are. And it's quite disappointing.
0: Yeah, I think this was just, a, it was a joke uh, right from the moment. Uh, the major league baseball as soon as they announce the quote-unquote punishment uh, you you give immunity to every player involved to come clean of course they're going to come clean and say yeah we cheated I I mean if you know nothing's going to happen then of course if you offered that to any criminal what do you think's going to happen they're going to come clean on everything they've ever done in their life um I think it's a joke I think you know I I I agree. I don't think they should be there. I don't think they should have honestly played a single game this year. I think any player that was involved in that cheating scandal should have been suspended for the entire season. And they would have had to play with minor leaguers and they would have probably hopefully finished dead last. But I also really find it disturbing that they're relishing in the fact that they're the villains and they're using that. And, you know, people are saying, well, how the Astros have silenced their detractors. Well, I don't think they should. You know, Carlos Correa came out after the first uh, wild card round and said, "Oh, what are people going to say now?" Well, as I tweeted back at him, "You cheated. You're still a cheater. That's 100 percent what you are, and it's not going to change."
1: Yeah, it's disappointing that they're they're also playing it up. I get I get it, they're using it for internal motivation. I get that it's us against the world, but they just shouldn't be in this position. And you know what? I got to give the Tampa Bay Rays a lot of credit for actually kind of making fun of the situation and you know in their in their uh celebrations you know they were banging trash cans and you know smoking cigars they were acting like you know they were mocking the houston astros and good on them. and i I also love the fact that they were mocking the new york yankees like i think i I looked at the payrolls of the two teams and there's like over a hundred million dollars difference in payroll you know good on the raise for Kind of doing the anti Houston Astral and relishing the underdog role, but then also making fun of them. Like uh, baseball needs more teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, and I hate saying that because they they smoke our team every time we play them. But yeah, I don't the, think we've the, the Tampa Bay years. Rays are good for baseball, so <laughs> it's they are good on them. But
0: and baseball has this whole we're serious, we can't have fun. It's that is so old. Let the teams have fun. Let players celebrate without. You know, being told there's an unwritten rule, the the league needs more Tampa Bay Devil Rays or Rays. They're, they're not that anymore. Um, <clears throat> and Fernando Tatis, they, they, we need more players in this league to bring some zest to it, to some some excitement. Because honestly, it can get kind of boring at times.
1: But not Jonathan VR excitement. No, is <laughs> <Was> there excitement? <laughs> yeah, not really.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, I I agree. The Houston Astros are completely offside in this whole. Embracing the villain—it's not a good look.
1: And Major League Baseball is offside for them even being there in the first.
0: Yeah, I don't—I don't think any one of them would have apologized for cheating. I think it was apologizing for getting caught. And yeah, attitudes exactly. around it, garbage. So that—that's our offside for the for the episode. um I'm sure we could fill an entire episode with why we dislike the Houston Astros, but. We're on to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, third place finisher in the AL East, uh, second year under Charlie Montoyo. And Charlie, what's, you know, what's your first initial thoughts on, on the season?
1: Well, there was a vast improvement in the winning percentage this season, um, which obviously is a good thing. You know, there, there's definitely some some things to be excited about. Um, you know, obviously the young core is is exciting, but I, I feel like we have to tamper those expectations a little bit. You know, living in Canada, we're used to Toronto media in all the sports, ramming down our throats how good every player is on every Toronto team. And, you know, when it comes to some of these young guys with the Blue Jays, I kind of go against the norm where they don't excite me quite as much as they should. Like they're good players, but you know, there, there's a lot of developing that needs to happen. Um, You know, it it was great to see them make the playoffs this year as short as that was and as outmatched as they were. And it was, it was a good step forward, but let's not fool ourselves in a 162 game season. They probably don't make the playoffs unless they keep up this uh, new format, which I, I doubt they will. Like, through 60 games, they only finished one game behind the Yankees, and which is exciting. But, you know, the Yankees also were fielding a triple-A lineup for two-thirds of the season, missing a, a large portion of their superstars. So, you know, again, it's it was exciting that they got there and it was nice to see some meaningful baseball late in the season, but I'm not as gung-ho as some other Toronto Blue Jays fans and media across the country of where they really are.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's be real. When the Yankees were healthy, it was at the end of the season when the Jays faced them, <clears throat> and they destroyed us. Like you, like you said, we finished one game behind and We had a chance to finish ahead of them by sweeping the Orioles, and, of course, Miami did their part in taking two or three from the Yankees, and we lost in the last day to, to finish third. Would have meant we missed the Rays, which may have given us a chance to win a game, but... Um, yeah, I completely agree. Over 162 game season, we don't make the playoffs. Uh, I, think, I think we are fourth in the, in the division. Um, and a lot of it comes down to just some of it for myself, the decision making that the manager is making and that GM and president aren't saying, what are you doing? I think Montoya relies way too heavily on analytics as I think opposed that's to
1: from the management. Yeah, and forcing I mean, him to.
0: It it doesn't, in my opinion. I don't like analytics. It doesn't matter what sport it is, because all you're looking at is numbers, not what is actually happening. It happens in other sports, where you you know just take hockey. They're saying a, a third pairing, six seven defenseman is better than a top two defenseman numbers wise. Well, yeah, they're not facing the other team's top players. And it, it, in baseball, I just don't think it works. There are so many situations where players were put in position or left in a game because the numbers said they were going to do something, despite the fact that they haven't done anything in the previous dozen games before uh, that.
1: Derek Fisher. I
0: uh. <laughs> Looking straight at his name on the screen as <laughs> yes, Derek Fisher. They had a feeling he was going to hit a home run that game. Yet, I think he went 0 for 4 and struck out every time. They put, it, they put players in positions that just, again, Derek Fisher. This isn't a dump on Derek Fisher podcast, but.
1: Maybe it is.
0: It could be. They put him in right field where even um, Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez are calling how he looks timid. Afraid to catch a ball out there. And then you got your center fielder having to play center and right field. Because he just isn't going after the ball. So those types of things, I just, I can't, uh, it's going to be difficult and I don't see them winning if they're relying solely on analytics to do.
1: The only analytic that matters is W's and L's. Exactly. And yeah. when you're using numbers that you think are going to get you more W's, but they actually get you more L's. I just, I don't know it. You and I have discussed this numerous times with each other. The, the decision-making process is sometimes unbelievable where just putting players out of position, putting players where they're not comfortable, even the, the construction of the batting order some nights is highly questionable. And I, I don't know, it's, neither of us are the biggest Montoyo fans. And I'll give them credit. The, the team won more games than they lost this year. Good on them. But I don't know that that's necessarily a, uh, because of Montoyo as opposed to just natural progression of some of the younger guys.
0: And I will even go as far as saying how much of their winning was a result of playing the Marlins when they had 18 regulars out of the lineup because of COVID. Uh, things like that. I, I just don't... The decision-making... You So let's take Guerrero Jr. for a second. They play him at first base this year. A position he has never played before in his career, in his life, not even as a kid. So you put him in a brand new position. And his batting, I mean, he finished 262 average, but... Did he have a great season defensively? No. Did he have a great season last year at third defensively? No, not really. But season ends, and here is what comes out of upper management's mouth. Vladdy Guerrero is going to play the majority of next season at third base. Or Really? Edge. I
1: didn't hear that.
0: Yeah, it was either Atkins or Shapiro. They said he's going to play at third base next year. So my question is, why the hell would you move him to first base this year? So now you're going to... He already... He was pretty good at the plate last year. He had a not-so-great season at... The plate this year obviously it's a different situation uh, but again toronto sports media is pumping out how he's going to be a home run king um i just that decision makes no sense to me yeah Keep i'm a kid. little
1: bit i'm a bit the other way on the guerrero decision where moving him to first base the thought was supposed to be he could worry less about defense and more about hitting which the the thought process around that to me isn't necessarily terrible the execution of it was yeah. But I, I didn't mind the initial rationale of let's just get him to first where he really only has to worry about catching a ball on a grounder hit to a shortstop. And let's let him worry more about hitting. So I can appreciate the rationale about moving him, but it, and let's face it it, it, it didn't work.
0: No, but then you're also permanently putting Rowdy at DH as well, because where's he then going to play? He plays first as well. So... You got Guerrero, a 21 year old, Rowdy, 25. You know, they brought Sean, who's 30, to play third. So now where do you put Shawn? Do you move him to first because he can play the other corner? And then again, you're leaving Rowdy in in a bit of a spot where you have to decide is he RDH? Because they didn't use him 100% at DH. They were throwing other guys in there a lot. So you didn't really play him. Yeah. The other part of it, too, is like, take a look at Kevin Biggio. How many different positions did he play this season? Too many. He played both corners in the outfield, he played third, he played second, he played first, and I think he played shortstop as well while Bichette was out. He's played at least five positions. And the the one thing that kind of I look at with the Guerrero move as well, the one thing you always hear players and um, experts talk about is when a player's trying to learn a position or getting moved to a different spot, it affects their hitting. And you, I think you could see that, especially with those two guys. They're trying to learn different positions. There is no consistency, especially for Biggio, more or less. Yeah. Guerrero was either first or DH, but he's still learning a whole new position, where he needs to be, how he needs to cover, the pickoffs, all that. It takes away from them at the plate. Biggio only batted 250. The guy has an incredible
1: eye at the plate. Um, the problem I have with Biggio at the plate is he either walks or strikes out. Well, when that's your leadoff hitter, you, to me, you want a leadoff hitter who gets on base, and Bijou yeah. did a good job of getting on base. But if you're striking out almost as often as you're walking, that's not ideal for a leadoff batter.
0: No, I mean he he had 41 walks and 61 strikeouts in 220 at bats, and his on base percentage was the highest of the the starters.
1: Well, but 61 yeah, strikeouts not... in 220 at bats, like that's 25 percent of the time. Yeah that your leadoff hitter is striking out.
0: Yeah, and again, you talked about the changing lineup and the batting order, That the, the lack of consistency there. Again, if you're leading off, your job's to get on base. Now, if you're batting fifth or sixth, your job's to advance the runners that got on ahead of you. It's a there needs to be consistency in what they're doing, and I just don't see it.
1: Well, they they did leave Cavan at the top of the lineup for the majority of the season, but and that might have been by default because there wasn't a lot of other really good options. No. but to me, he's not a leadoff hitter. He's he, he's a good number two hole hitter, a guy who who does get get on quite regularly. But to me, the 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 leadoff guy is a guy who gets on steals bases has a high average puts the ball in play you know puts pressure on the defense to make a play and let's face it the blue jays just don't have that
0: yeah yeah and sorry cabin had 265 plate appearance the at bats. i think yeah sorry the yeah. yeah yeah right um but yeah i just think they're the jays front office and management need to i think in my opinion like i say reevaluate how they're looking at things because just Numbers on a computer screen doesn't tell what's happening.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. So I think uh, we kind of started touching on this a little bit with Vigio uh, and Guerrero, but we're going to kind of break this down into three different kind of segments of the game. And obviously it's the three major segments, and that's hitting, fielding, and pitching. So we're going to kind of go through what we saw from the batting order, what we saw from the pitching staff, and and what we saw in the very dreadful uh, fielding portion of the Blue Jays season. Um, Ken, to you, when it comes to the team batting, you know, what were the big surprises? What, what were you happy?
0: Well, I think I gotta say, I mean, Billy McKinney hitting 667 for the season as a Jay is just, I don't think anyone saw that. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That's in three plate appearances. He was two for three. Sorry. Scratch that. Scratch that. Um, the absolute struggles of Uh, our catchers especially to bat um
1: no no positive
0: not negative (laughs) oh oh, positive you want positive I uh, well we had uh Jr. finish the season at 308 batting average I thought that was definitely I mean he was uh he had 11 home runs to Oscar 16 home runs up in the you know top of the league for that uh and he had a 289 not horrible he's a he's a guy that can hit the the ball deep and um he doesn't get a lot of walks he struck out 63 times but yeah. if he's you know he had 34 RBIs he was second on the team behind Randall in that um Oscar's play or that that's batting was definitely something that I thought that was a positive out of this year um I, I did not uh I did not hate that he missed 10 games but I think if he could get those ten games back, we would have seen the same type of production that was uh, throughout. I mean, for for as bad as Danny Jansen was at the plate, he did have twenty RBI. So yeah, that's surprising. It's that's not a horrible number for. I mean, it's a a lot better than his batting average says. Um, I mean, like I know we talked about Kevin and his striking out a lot, but I mean he does have a good eye up there. I think if he can get everything else under control and stop striking out. You know more than he walks or hits that that for me is a positive out of that these young guys will develop I think they will take the steps that need they need to at the plate um, but they got to get the pressure off them and the la- I think the lack of veteran leadership on the team isn't helping
1: yeah and that, guys like Travis Shaw were brought in to bring that leadership and I'm not convinced that he did a whole lot of that um, Surprisingly to me when you just look at the numbers, the blue jays offense on paper is fine i don't necessarily agree with that sentiment like they had a 255 team batting average which shockingly was fourth in the al they were third most runs scored third or fourth most runs scored in in the in the al with 302 which again like they were a high scoring team but to me, that the issue was it was boomer bust. The, yeah. the the numbers look good, like they're they're top they're in the top third of the AL for a lot of the good categories. But let's face it, there were long stretches of time where this team couldn't score runs to save their lives. Like they were so dependent on a home run ball that if they didn't hit home runs, and they ended up hitting eighty eight of them this year, which was fourth in the AL. But let's face it, when you're facing top end pitching you just don't hit home run no and and we saw how many games did we see against top flight pitchers where they they couldn't generate runs to save their lives because their inability to manufacture runs is staggering
0: yeah i think um you talked about the 88 home runs 14 of those came in back-to-back games yeah right like they they trailed the marlins real bad one game and it took four was it four or five innings in a row with two home runs each yeah or yeah, it was it was just ridiculous. They
1: they relied. I think they hit seven home runs that game and still lost. Yeah, I think they
0: lost by one. And then the next game they hit seven as well. But they've always going back to the days of Batista and Carnacion, Donaldson, all the big hitters we had in fifteen, sixteen. We relied on the long ball then. Yeah. And they're trying to rely on it now. We don't have those guys in the lineup. Um, Kevin Pillar was the worst for trying to be a home run hitter when he wasn't and should have been a on base kind of guy. Um, we've got guys that have a bit of pop in their bat, but you're right. The, they got to start manufacturing runs, playing a little small ball, being smarter on the bases when they're running and trying to steal oh. an advance. Too many times they were getting picked off or thrown out, trying to stretch a long single into a double or, or more. Um The mental
1: errors on the base pads this year was just incredible. I have never seen it. And there was times in the broadcast this year where Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez were flabbergasted with what they were seeing. And it was like, what is going on? And to me, that really goes back to the manager not having the team prepared and thinking the game twenty four seven the right way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just think too many errors at the plate. Um, too
1: many strikeouts again.
0: Yeah, like what do, what do they have for strikeouts? Five hundred and eight.
1: Yeah, like that's four. Yeah, that, that's in the yeah fourth, and that's not a good fourth. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. You want to be fifteen on that one. Um, yeah, I, way too many mental errors across the board on everything that uh that they did so if they can cut some of that down then it'll by default it'll get better Right,
1: And I'd like to be able to see a little bit more situational hitting where a guy like Kevin Biggio, instead of trying to pull everything, you know, hit a weak ground ball through the left side that's been vacated. Yeah. Or, you know, Randall Gritchik instead of trying to hit a home run with every swing, like, you know, try to hit the ball through the right side. It's, there's got to be... Uh, a little bit more awareness of what the defense is giving you. And sometimes you got to take it, especially with men on base, like just give them what, take what they give you sometimes and, and score that run. Like manufacture a run against a good pitcher by hitting a soft grounder through the left side, but no, it's always, you know, boomer bust. go for the home run, go for the double off the wall. Like I, I hope they get some of that with maturity at the plate, especially the young guys, you know, Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero, I, I really hope that that becomes just natural for them. Because if it does, the sky's the limit.
0: Oh, yeah. They, they were talking that whether it's 2020, 2021, that was going to be their playoff years with this young core group. Um, but they, they've they got a lot of things fixed. Like, it, it's amazing that professional baseball players struggle so much to go the other way in a, in a shift. Or even lay a bunt down. It's not pretty. but If Kevin Biggio's up with no one on base, they always do the shift. So yeah, lay a bunt, bunt down, down, push it to the third base side, and, and you're on every single time. You do that a handful of times, guess what? They don't play the the switch on you anymore, or the shift. You, you get the whole field to work with. You don't get every infielder on the, the right side. So yeah. that's the one thing then- I find shocking that it's so difficult to do.
1: And one thing that that blows my mind, because from Blue Jays teams of the past, their inability to hit a fastball. They were one of the worst teams in the league against fastball. Like, how can that be? That it's literally a straight pitch. So uh, how can you not hit fastballs? I remember you used to watch Batista and Encarnacion, and that's all they could hit was fastballs. So it's shocking to me that you have big leaguers who cannot hit a fastball.
0: Yeah, I think... I will say, just looking at the, the the roster here again, one one I guess kind of bright spot I'll, I missed was actually Jonathan Davis. I thought he had in his limited um, time, he was only in thirteen games, but he uh, he had a two fifty nine batting average. So it's a lot better than he he had yeah in the past. Um, so I did like that development there. I will say that Alejandro Kirk. I think that was just a uh, too short That's a of,
1: revelation. <laughs> yeah,
0: too short of a. Uh, uh, Sample size to really make a um, judgment on whether, how that's going to go. But does it, does it put Reese McGuire and Danny Jansen in trouble? I do think they need to go out this offseason and get another catcher. They, they got to get someone behind the plate that, you know, you joked earlier in the season that it's, is it wrong that we're missing uh, Russell Martin's, what was it? 250 batting
1: average? Oh, it's like 220 batting average.
0: Yeah. Yeah. we we'll take that in a heartbeat.
1: You no, know, when I look at the team offensively, the numbers look good. And I guess that is kind of a, a bright spot where, like, if you just look at the numbers, they're not bad. Like, you've got a few guys hitting in the 300, Bichette, you got guys hitting in the 290s, lots of home runs. Like, there's good players on this team. And if these guys can turn into professional hitters, because they aren't right now, they're, they're putting up decent numbers, but they're not professional hitters. If these guys, or even a handful of them, can become professional hitters, then yes, these numbers will be phenomenal. And a lot of the things we're talking about now are irrelevant. But as of right now, they're not professional hitters. They're still young guys hacking away. And we, I hope that natural progression does happen. Yeah,
0: I mean, you take a look at our starting lineup, and a third of it skyrocketed through the minor system that yeah. they never got to really see the progression of how much harder it's going to be at the next level. They didn't play a full season last year, a lot of them. Guerrero played the most. Um, but when you look at Bichette and Biggio, they didn't play a full season up in the bigs last year. It's tough to call this a full season. It's only 60 games. Uh, yeah, a can... lot of
1: them really only played 102 games.
0: Yeah, and, and so they're only one season into... Their professional careers at the major league level, so it's going to take some time. I don't think it's going to be as overnight as it was uh, kind of promised and and alluded to. But I want to, say, I would like to see some veterans brought in to help bolster these young guys and help them develop. Yeah, um, you know that, that may be s- in bench players, but they got to bring something in, in my opinion.
1: I would say, in general, they're trending the right way offensively. It just – it needs a little bit more seasoning. Yeah. And uh, it, it's exciting as a Jays fan to see this, but they're not there. No. And uh, so to a, a section of the game where I do not believe now that they are trending in the right direction, and that's their fielding. It's – the the Blue Jays' defense is um, Edmonton Oilersque, let's say. Uh, let's let's where gonna,
0: Where's the one It's just
1: – it, it, You can have all the high-end talent you want. If you can't uh, keep runs off the board or the puck out of your own net, it's always going to make your life more difficult.
0: So 38 errors, 10th ranked in 15 AL teams. Yep. How many innings were prolonged runs come across because of errors? It was just, and it it wasn't just the young guys. It was all of them. All of them played horrible defense. Um.
1: What I don't even think it's always errors, the, you know, Vladdy diving for a chopper to his right where the player then gets a single because of it where he shouldn't have. Well, that's not an error, but it's an extra out. Yeah, It's, it, it is the, the mental errors of not turning that not completing that double play is it's not an error, but it's an extra out. It's, it was astounding how many just blunders there were in the, in the fielding this year. And you just don't see that from championship caliber.
0: No, like just looking at who made like Jonathan VR made four errors in 18 games.
1: Oh, but we were so hyped about that guy coming in, and what a disappointment!
0: Well, it was like, oh, we beat out the, you know, because it was rumored he was going to go to the Yankees. Same with Taiwan Walker. Like we beat out the what we consider the better teams, the the you know nicer teams to go to. We beat them out for some good guys in the trade trade deadline that other teams wanted it's like all right vr did not work out the way it really i know you know we wanted it to travis shaw had three in 40 games reese McGuire. mcguire
1: had three in 25 games
0: no nope, that's his age. 18 games
1: oh, oh my god <laughs>
0: it's, worse. It, it's worse it's
1: worse worse and that's why he I was think replaced. He had more errors than hits this season
0: caleb joseph and danny jansen both had two i and this goes to buck martinez former catcher I grew up playing baseball. I was a catcher myself. And I agree with Buck. And I get just as angry when I see it. And it's not a Jays thing. It's across the league thing. When catchers are going down and putting one leg down on the ground to frame the pitch. Yeah. You can frame by being in your crouch and staying in your stance and be in a better position defensively than putting one leg down. Because if it goes the other way, you can't push off and block that ball. Now it's either what should always be considered a pass ball is, is as opposed to a wild pitch. If that catcher's leg is on the ground, I don't care where the pitch is, it's a pass ball. Yeah. There's no excuse for that kind of poor defense. And the fact that no coach on the Jays or any other team is saying, knock it off, because you see it in every game these catchers yeah. are not ready to block a ball they're not ready to make a play and even still trying to pick a guy off you can't spring up like that if you got a, you're not in a crouch you can't spring up yeah i don't agree with it i don't like it um and the catching
1: I, was just abysmal all around oh, it was this season it was atrocious it was atrocious defensively offensively but one of the few good things they did do was throw out base runners, but who cares? Like that's so minimal in the grand scheme of things. I even look at the the fielding percentages of the let's call it the the premium positions, shortstop and second base. Well you've got Bichette and Biggio both in the in the nine seventy range. You can't have that. That's that Those two positions are supposed to be premium fielding positions where you're making 98 to 99% of the plays. And you've got eight errors in, what, 60 games from those guys. It's Again, they're young and you hope they evolve, but that's supposed to be the rock of your infield. And if they're only making 97% of the plays, that's not enough.
0: Okay, well, let's put it this way. From your starting first baseman, second baseman, and shortstop. And don't forget, Bichette only played half a season you Have 11 errors in 60 yes, games, yeah. Lourdes Gurriel and Tioscar Hernandez each had three in the out, yeah. Like, I haven't even seen, I'm looking for Randall's name here. Randall had one himself, Only,
1: he had none actually. Nope, oh, had no, no, one. one, sorry, yep, yeah. yep, sorry.
0: Um, right, and, um, it's just way too much. Cavan had five now. This, they actually have the breakdown of the, all the positions he played. Second, right, third, center, left, DH. And I I was going to say I was wrong. I thought he played first at once, but he played all three outfield positions, second and third. Yeah. No <laughs> wonder he made the most errors. How do you how do you get prepared for how the ball is going to come to you? Because it isn't the same, right? Yeah. It, it is not the same. So, Gavin gets a slight, I don't want to say pass, but... A little bit of an understanding. I don't put it fully on him. Yeah. I think that goes to the lack of consistency in where he's playing.
1: Now, the number suggests that the Blue Jays finished 10th in the AL in fielding at with a 982. I personally believe that's misleading because of a lot of things we just talked about. And the other things we didn't talk about that we saw a lot this year was the outfielders throwing to the wrong base mm-hmm. or or overthrowing the cutoff man or not throwing to the cutoff man at all and giving up those extra bases and you know we saw it a lot from Oscar and, and Guriel. and it's just those little mental errors and we, we said it with the pitch or with the batting that I put a lot of that back on the manager like your team is not mentally prepared to play no absolutely and it,
0: it, this team makes the basics of baseball look look the hardest that's what they struggle with the basics
1: a routine ground ball isn't always so routine this team or a liner to right field that's hit on a line doesn't always get caught even though it's you know hard hit balls i'm sorry if it's a hard hit ball right at you you need to make the play 99 times out of 100 and we just didn't see that from this team it was you know any time a ball was hit hard at a player you were praying they stopped it instead of feeling confident they were going to stop it
0: expect the error and be pleased when you get an out
1: yeah the you were almost more expecting an error than a great play and that's sad because i'll tell you right now the tampa bay rays don't play baseball that way when a ball's hit hard at them they're expecting to make the play it's it's disappointing it's not good enough it's not playoff quality and it's not championship quality defense so one of the things they got to do is they, they have to get this sorted out
0: yeah you know, Absolutely.
1: Even if it's role players, get a proper center fielder, you know, get a proper third baseman or something. Like get guys who can play defense because it saves you runs. And a saved run is just as important as a run battery.
0: And in the one thing I think that the teams on the right trajectory, they, they have to fix this. They have to um I think bring in some veteran leadership. You know, what's smoke's time done in Toronto? Probably, but that was I think a big loss in veteran leadership and keeping the the dugout and the clubhouse calm and being able to help guys get through those slumps. Yeah. This is a young team. The average is 27.1 years old. So it's a young team. The, they are they need a lot of help. They got a lot of young pitchers. They got a young lot of young fielders. Um, and I think the one thing, you know, is you gotta see the team work with these guys to get something going in the offseason. I think a couple of guys, Rowdy, I felt came into camp in a lot better condition than he had in the past. So I think did it, Vlad. Yeah, but I think that was in the original spring training. Yeah. Original spring training. First game I saw on TV, I went, oh, Rowdy's really put in the work this offseason because he came in looking like he lost some good amount of weight, maybe put some muscle on and was ready to go. Vlad did too, but I think that that break in between he, when they yeah. shut her down, faltered a little bit. And then um, Alejandro Kirk, I mean, gave me hope that I could still come back and play in my condition. (laughs) But I think you got to get these guys working in the off season on defense, conditioning, getting in shape, coming into camp, ready to go. And so for some of them, that means they got to, they got to, do some work in the weight room and, and get in shape because, yeah, ball is one of those that you can be a professional and you are not considered in shape. Yeah. So, and that's so with the defense.
1: Yeah. I think in general, both you and I are disappointed with the defense and, and rightfully so. And I think that 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 transitions right into the pitching staff because pitching is essentially your biggest form of defense. Good, good defense or good pitching can take a lot of stress off your defense and good defense can take a lot of stress off your pitching. So in general, I look at the numbers of the pitching staff and I'm disappointed. The, the year started out actually really good. There was the first 25 games of the year. I thought the pitching staff was actually quite good, especially the bullpen. But as the season went on, and again, I think a lot of this was due to uh, usage, the numbers skyrocket. And at the end of the year, the Jays had a team ERA of 4.60, which is 10th in the AL. That's not good enough. They, the good teams have good pitching and outside of Ryu and the starting line or the starting pitching staff and and Taiwan Walker once became a Blue Jay it was a dog's breakfast. Yeah, it,
0: looking at our starting pitcher Tanner Work 6.80 ERA, Chase Anderson 7.22. And I know these guys weren't starters for the whole season, but this is as
1: starters. Um, but they were brought in to bring stability yeah. to our our rotation. And then yeah. we were told that oh these guys will, will be solid fourth and fifth starters that will give you quality innings. Well, yeah. that, that was a that was not the case.
0: I mean, Ryu started twelve games. Rourke started eleven. Chase Anderson started seven games. Shoemaker only got six. As did Taiwan Walker. Robbie Ray started four. Um, Ray had a four seventy nine ERA.
1: Nate Pearson started four and was not good.
0: No, like they. Again, we didn't have, a, I, in my opinion, a stable set rotation. Nope. Um, too many injuries. Shoemaker again. Um, feel for the guy because he came out strong last year to begin. Got injured. They yeah. brought him back for this year. <clears throat> Same kind of thing. Gets injured again. I thought, you know, it's unfortunate. I don't think see him coming back, especially with what happened in the aftermath of his game one start being pulled after three, which he was not happy about. And I don't think any of the Jays fans were either. Um, but it just wasn't good enough. Like Ryu, 269. Okay. That's good. That's good. No problem with that. Taiwan Walker in his his limited time as a J was at 137. Like those, those are good numbers. A a surprise for me, Raphael Dolis is ERA one and a half. That Um, surprises
1: me because early in the season, he struggled to get out, but he really turned it around.
0: He did. And I, I, you know, like you say, in the beginning, he struggled and I was kind of like, uh, how long is this going to last? uh a lot did a lot better i mean he's no wilmer font that's for sure
1: yeah well it's hard to be wilmer font which is disappointing because he actually had a uh an okay season last year yeah. as the quote-unquote designated opener um yeah. like there there's some things to be excited about on this staff especially if they can get taewon walker back like i think if you can have ryu and walker as your one two going into next season yeah And maybe a healthy Tanner Pearson not pitching, you know, number two in the rotation. Like, there's some stuff to build around. And and Matt Shoemaker, like, whenever he has been in the lineup, has been good. It just he can't stay on the mound. Yeah. So I I think there's there's some exciting things that could play out here. I just, I don't know.
0: I, I do want to point out that we did see a little maybe possible gem. In one of the games, uh, very limited exposure, but Santiago Espinal. I mean, he had a 9 ERA. It's still better than Wilmer (laughs) (laughs) Font.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: Yeah. Um, But again, like Trent Thornton, limited, very limited in what he did. Um, Yeah. But 11.12. Ken Giles, we're not going to see him next year. I mean, he's Tommy John, so. Yeah, he's... We're, we're in the hunt for a closer again, but... Um, the worry
1: that I have with the bullpen is a lot of these guys, even the guys that did pitch well, may not be back next year because they were only one-year deals. Yeah. And there, you know, there's some good arms down there. Like a Jordan Romano was phenomenal until yeah. he got hurt. Absolutely. Thomas Hatch was phenomenal this year. Hatch
0: we still have, though, under contract, yeah. don't we? Yeah. yeah. But Hatch and Kay pearson those guys are starters but again they're using them in the bullpen position because they're young they're just coming up and again this is why i don't get about baseball you're a starter in the minor league you're now a bullpen guy relief guy in the major leagues that's it takes a lot these guys all have their ways of getting ready yeah so that's that's why i don't understand julian merriweather is another one that was used out of the bullpen um
1: and he pitched well
0: i'll give him credit yeah, like
1: he, it, he can throw hard strikes and that's, absolutely. What, that's what you need.
0: Yeah, but I think it would be nice to see the Jays use these guys as they are meant to be used. Not, well, you know, you're just coming up, so we're going to put you in this role you haven't done before again. And, oh, you're not doing well? Uh, we're going to send you back down to the minors. Well, now you're playing in Buffalo and you're starting again. Oh, yeah, you're winning games. You're striking guys out. We're going to bring you back up. We're going to need you to pitch two innings in the middle of the game, back-to-back days. Yeah. Oh, you're used to pitching every fifth day. Okay.
1: and, And again, we said it right off the top. I think a lot of the difficulties of the bullpen arms became, was because of usage. And let's face it, the fact that Montoya wouldn't let a starter go past the fifth inning was taxing on this team and then all of a sudden you've got guys who aren't used to it having to throw two innings every other day and that that's not what they're used to and it was like the usage was just abysmal so and why have starters if you're not going to let them throw you know 100 to 110 pitches and try to get into the seventh inning like what's the point?
0: Ryu averaged 5.5 innings a game he was the only pitcher to see the sixth inning um regularly and the only one to see the seventh inning in when he went All into season. the seventh inning that was the first time in 88 games a pitcher for the Jays starting pitcher has seen the seventh inning but you look at what it, it it's mind-boggling right Tanner work started 11 games and pitched uh 47 innings so yes, he has roughly picked...
1: four innings a game
0: yeah so he, Chase he Anderson, the three
1: innings a game. Like,
0: You're not going to win. And they're like, oh, well, how many times did we hear Buck Martinez, Dan Schulman talk about, well, we won't be seeing Romano, Merriweather, Kay, or Hatch today because they've pitched the last three days in a row and need to be rested. And then, so the bullpen's really thin, starters out in the fourth inning perhaps you got
1: shun yamaguchi who who turned it around but had a god-awful start to season still
0: finished with an 806
1: era yeah pitching way more innings than he should have
0: yeah leaving guys in in when they should be out why because they can't take them out bringing in wilmer font in a one run game where you're down to then now be down by four run right the decision making and again this goes to analytics and numbers and numbers and numbers and guys really get a uh, batters get a idea of what you're going to do the third time around so we're not going to do that we're going to put someone else in there it didn't work so why continue to do it why die on that hill why you know what I mean let the guy pitch let them if they're going well I think Matt Shoemaker will not return to the Jays is my opinion because of what happened in that playoff game they yanked him after three innings, 35 pitches.
1: Yeah, he was not happy.
0: And he even even said afterwards, he was not happy. He wanted to go back out in the fourth and continue to pitch. And again, they brought in Robbie Ray, who didn't do a horrible job. But why would you... It's not like he went through three innings and pitched 65. Yeah. It was 35, which means yeah, he's very... He easily good.
1: had at least another inning, if not more. And again, that wasn't... They lost that, you know, shockingly that... That plan actually worked out, but you know their their overall plan of having Taiwan Walker start the third game. Well, I'm sorry, that didn't work out at all because they didn't get there. That was a stupid, and it was stupid. Like it, he, the guy who pitched to a 1.37 ERA didn't even get to take the mound in a playoff series is ridiculous. Like, Which is
0: why you went out and got him. Like they went yeah. out to get him to make the playoffs and for the playoffs. And let's be honest, I don't think any. I know you and I didn't figure they were going to get to a game three. No, no. So you limit Taiwan Walker's last start to three innings to be ready for the playoffs. Yet you let Ryu go seven innings in that last start. So now he cannot start game one, which means you have to start him in game two, which you then have to push Walker back.
1: And it clearly affected him too, because his velocity in that game was way down. And his, obviously his command was down. We saw it with the, the, the runs he gave up. And I know he said it didn't affect him, but it did. And, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that. So yeah. it, it was just disappointing that we had, we knew we were making the playoffs and we didn't set up our rotation properly. Knowing full well, you were probably going to be facing Tampa Bay, who has a killer rotation, and you didn't properly set it up heading into it. And have your two best pitchers on, you know, well rested, go ready to go. It was very disappointing, but yeah. again, it just theme of the season.
0: Yeah, at the point when they knew that they were in the playoffs, and it was a matter of whether they finished second or third. Second or third, they should have just gone. Okay, we're in. We'll concede third if we if we manage to pull it off and get second, great. But we'll give these guys the the walkers and the Ryus, the chance to rest to be ready for game one and two. I don't think anyone would have had any with that because at least that would have made sense. Yeah. Everything, what they did leading up to the playoffs did not.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree. So I would have to say kind of as a summary to the entire Blue Jays season, there's some hope, like there definitely is some hope, but we've seen it with the young guys. Again, I'm not as high on them as some guys are, but you know, you brought up a really good point where they really have only played one season. So I hope we see some more development from the guys like the Cabin Bigios, like hit for a higher average. Maybe Vladdy can, you know, hit for a little bit more power. There's things to be excited about. Clearly the defense and the starting rotation is not good enough. Taiwan Walker, in my opinion, has to be priority. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, and I this offseason. Like Absolutely. he has to be back. He pitched so well and he may not follow it up. But, you know, there's things to be excited about, but there's a harsh reality that the Blue Jays are still a long ways away.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And they've said, it sounds like, and we've heard this story a hundred times before, they're going to go out and try and get someone this offseason to help address some of this. We'll continue to hear the rumors that the Jays are... on this free agent this free agent this trade and watch our rivals pick them up the day the next day it's uh kind of been an ongoing story but for as much as we talked about what went wrong i mean you said there is upside to this team they are trending in the right way i think they just need to calm the hype and stop putting it out that this is going to happen now it is not going to happen now it's still a
1: little ways away they're not polished and hopefully once they become polished, they they have the pitching staff to go with it when they when they are polished. Because if they do and there's a couple of more quality starters, and it, it might be Nate Pierce. Who knows? He might be the stud we think he is. It might be Anthony K. You just hope that when the, the the hitters are there that the pitching is there with them. Cause if they are, then the sky's the limit these guys.
0: Absolutely. Definitely agree on that. I'd like to see a couple moves this offseason, bring some guys in, some veteran leadership, some guys that have won, have worked with young guys before.
1: Some Johnny Ball players that just know how to play baseball.
0: Yep. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a high-priced, you know, sexy free agent or anything like that. just needs to be some good guys that have been around, know how to win, and have been around developing young players. I mean, would I... Be sad about a Mike, Mike Trout in a Jays jersey? No, but I don't see it happen either. either yeah, so.
1: neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lindor would it. look great in those baby blues, but yeah,
0: yeah, uh, tough sell, tough sell. All right, well, I think this is we've covered off the Jays here. Um, we we'll kind of wrap it up. I think as always, if you have any kind of questions, comments, any kind of feedback, uh, we've got the email, thebleacherconnection at gmail.com. Uh, Trevor, you are thebleachercon one on Twitter. And I'm the BleacherCon2 on Twitter. Um, again, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Um, let us know what you think. We thanks, shall, everybody. Thanks. We shall be back with another episode shortly.